I'm really glad to be back. If I've seen you before, glad to be back. I love this church, such an encouraging church, and I've spent time with a number of you, but especially Dave and Tom. I know they're always encouraged. When I come back, I feel the same way. This is a very encouraging, life-giving church. How many of you are just so privileged to be part of this, huh? It's a great church. It, that's not an easy thing to find. And so I love coming here. I always leave uh, revived myself. And um, if I haven't met you, please say hi afterwards. I'll be back again. You can't get rid of me. Um, So we better start a relationship now. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and be part of the Made for More series. Um, Today we're going to be talking about Made for More mission. And I want to start by just telling you when when God first kind of turned me on to his mission and partnering with him. And it was back when I was a sophomore in college. I'd just become a believer. And the summer before, I spent uh, working in China, actually. I was an economics major, and I was a Chinese minor. I was almost fluent in the language. And I spent the first summer of college working uh, in business, in international trade. And the next summer, God invited me to go on a mission trip. And I was thinking I was going to China but then this thing called SARS hit. Any of you that are a little older than remember SARS? Okay, so our trip gets canceled about a month before, and then I'm rerouted to Nairobi, Kenya, and then about a week before we're supposed to go to Nairobi, Kenya, this terrorist attack happens at the airport, and we get rerouted to Egypt. And so now I'm going to Egypt, and I'm working with uh, Sudanese refugees. We're going to be teaching kids in school and it just, it was really exciting. I didn't care. I just wanted to go anywhere. And I was really new at my faith. I only knew one Bible verse. And I was like, I just want to learn what God's doing. So we show up there and I'm serving in the schools. Um, nothing too hard, just loving on kids, teaching kids, learning about the culture. But we're also living in an Arabic village. And I meet this Iraqi pastor that's there. And he comes up to me and some of the guys on the trip and he says, hey, um, this weekend, I'm going to a village in the outskirts of Cairo um, to preach the gospel and share. Would you want to come with me and watch what I do, be part of the crowd? And I'm like, absolutely. I mean, what a great adventure to go on. You know, I mean, get to learn from this guy, get to see a new part of the, the area. And so we all get on this bus and we're going out just to watch this guy. I bring nothing with me because I'm, I'm just there to watch and be part of the, uh, the, the crowd. And this woman stands up, an older woman, especially for me when I was in my 20s then, and she was probably over 60, and I'm um, sorry, um, don't, don't need to make old cracks, but uh, for me, she was older, and, and she goes, are you guys ready to preach the gospel today? Like, with that kind of passion, and I was like, no. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm not shy, I would probably show, no. She goes, we're going to go out into the villages, door by door. You've all got a translator. You're going to preach the gospel to the families and invite them to church. It's going to be a great day. Heck no. You know, I'm, I, I, I don't get very scared or intimidated. I was like, no, that's not what I was coming for. I thought I was coming to watch what is going on. Where, where's the pastor? He's not even on the bus. I'm like, this, this is the biggest bait and switch I've ever been around. Would you like to come and watch me preach? In a village, and now I have some older lady screaming at me to go preach the gospel. Uh, and, and so I literally say, excuse me, I didn't bring my Bible, and I don't even know the Bible, you know? 
And she's like, that's no problem. And she pulls out a Gideon Bible, hands it to me. And she goes, now you have a Bible. Like, what's your excuse? And it was one of those bright orange ones, right? This flaming orange. And I'm like, I don't know, you probably can't say this in church, but I'm going to say it. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> like, there's nowhere to go. You know, I'm stuck. I, I can't run. And, and so I get off the bus and, and I meet this guy who's younger than me. I'm like 20. He's 18. He's my translator. We're going door to door through the villages. Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I thought I heard about this thing called Romans Road and I'm looking for it. And, you know, the Bible's this big and, you know, and, and we go and we're going through this village. It's super poor. Um, the families are really hospitable to let us in. But I mean, some of the some of the houses we went in were just, you know, shacks that had, you know, uh, sheets between as the walls and just really humble uh, spaces. And we would sit down and uh, I was uncomfortable already, just out of the culture in a new place, um, don't know the language. And I'm sitting there in this uh, this translator's just talking in Arabic, like 20 minutes, just going on and on. And I'm just sitting there like, okay. And then, then he just turns to me and goes, now it is time to share the gospel. <laughs> like, what? Like, what's her name? You know, like, what are you talking about? You know, he's like, don't worry, just share the gospel. And I'm, well, share, what, what is the gospel? You know, like, I mean, the dumbest strategy you've ever heard of, okay, as far as mission. And I'm looking for this Romans road, and I think I find the first part of the road. So I just read some scripture, and thank you very much, thank you very much. And I leave, and I I just remember going, what in the world is going on? Like, I am not ready for this. Uh, This is not the right time. I don't know anything. I feel dumb. And and that's what I want to talk about today, is when Jesus invites us into mission, and we're completely unready, seemingly unprepared, and like, this is the worst time. I came to watch. And he's like, you came to play. Jesus is the older lady with the orange Gideon Bible saying, there's no excuse. It's time to go. Right? And the reality of Jesus is that he's on a mission. He is moving. And if we're following him, which maybe not everyone is following him in here, that's totally fine. Thank you for coming. But if you're following him, you're not here just to watch. He's going to put you in the game. And that's what we're going to talk about today is when he puts the disciples in the game, we're going to look at that. And then why is he putting them in the game then? So if you turn to your Bibles, if you're in, if you have your Bible, Matthew 9, 37, if not, he'll throw it right up there. Uh, slide one, two, slide two, slide two. There you go. And, and, and here's what it says in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So he's like, I need you to pray. There's a big harvest field. We need to send out workers. But then immediately in verse one of the next chapter, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So it's right here. I want to bring us into this tension. We can read this story and be like, oh, cool. They're being sent out. I don't think they felt, oh, cool, we're being sent out. I think they're like, wait, I thought we were watching you. And now all of a sudden, I'm going out with your authority to heal, what does it say? To, to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness? Excuse me? I didn't bring my Bible. 
He's like, here's my authority. And what's crazy is he's calling these people that are following him. They're watching. They're with him. They're next to him. And now all of a sudden, they're being sent out to do the exact same things he's doing. And not simple things. Healing, deliverance, preaching, cleansing, rising people from the dead is what it goes on to say in chapter 10. He expects them just, you know, go ahead and rise people from the dead. I mean... I'm not ready for this. I just came to watch, right? And you feeling the tension with me? And the question I want to talk about today is why now? Why chapter 10? Why is he releasing them here? What is going on where he's almost panicked? Jesus never panicked, of course, but almost like, hey, you got to go now. Why now? What is going on? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is that he's seeing these crowds in greater capacity. It's been building and what he's seeing. And we see that in verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, right? He saw the crowds. They were harassed and helpless. Jesus has been, has been in, in this crowd ministry for many chapters now. It's really fun if you go back and read um, starting the beginning of Matthew, specifically in Matthew 4, and you follow it all the way up to this point where he tells his disciples, now it's your turn. It's crazy to sit in this narrative and this story. So in chapter 4, he's literally healing the whole region. They're bringing him people to heal and drive out spirits. The whole region, okay? And he's seeing this. Just imagine Jesus doing all that. Well, then in chapter 5, he goes on top of the mountain maybe to get away or maybe to teach. And that's when he does the Beatitudes. And he's up there all the way until chapter eight. And when he comes down the mountain in the first verse of chapter eight, listen to the things that he does between in chapter eight and chapter nine, just two chapters. Listen to this. He heals a man with leprosy, skin disease. He heals a a centurion's servant from far away. He heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then he heals the whole town and drives all the demons out, okay? He drives demons out of two demon-possessed men. He heals a paralyzed man. He heals a bleeding woman. He raises a dead girl. He heals two blind men, and then he heals a mute man. Ten healing deliverances that he's doing in two chapters. He comes down. Okay, imagine that. Just one of those things. Ten, two chapters. And then he gets called basically demonic. The Pharisees say, well, it's only because of, the, of Satan you're able to do those things. He's just like, you gotta be kidding me. And then we come here and it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness when he saw the crowds, right? Jesus is seeing the tremendous brokenness, the tremendous uh, tormenting that is happening to these people, the the tremendous sickness, uh, the lostness. He calls them harassed and helpless, right? The great shepherds of Israel have not been taking care of the people. He's going around seeing all of the crowds and it's grabbing him in such a way that he says, I need you to go out now. It's not, there's too much need for one person. You've got to go. And the question I have today first is, are we seeing these kind of things happening? Like, are, are we seeing the crowds around us? Um, we're going to talk a little bit deeper what the seeing drives Jesus towards. But 
I love just that word, he saw the crowds. Are, are we seeing the people in our offices? Are we seeing the people in our neighborhoods, in our apartments, on our campuses? Like, are we even seeing the needs? Are they pressing in on us? Are, are we around them? Do, do we see the brokenness, the anxieties, the depressions, the, the broken marriages? Do we see the people that are being tormented? Like, are we even aware of them? Or, or have we incubated our life in such a way where pain is out and real needs around us we avoid or we're unaware of? I just love that Jesus is singing. He's around it. It's pressing on him. And if you're here today and you have one of these needs, Jesus sees you. He, he is close to those that are in need. He is close to those that need healing or deliverance or need to hear the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is seeing it. And do we? Because when Jesus sees it, okay, it's not that he's just seeing it. He's driven to compassion. That's what it says. He had compassion on them, right? And then that's when he turns to pray. He sees the crowd. He has compassion. He says, you've got to pray, disciples. You've got to pray that more workers go into the harvest because it's too great. The need is too great. And then immediately he says, well, don't just pray. I'm actually going to send you out too. It's the compassion that drives him. And this word is incredibly powerful when we unpack it. The, the word compassion that he's using here um, that is in the Greek, here's how you say it. It's really weird. Uh, splunk needs am I. Did I say that right? Splunk needs am I. And it's a Greek word that's actually a verb. To have compassion, it's a verb. And what it means is to be moved even to the bowels. It's not a heart word. It's a deep pain. Uh, a couple ways that people have described it is someone put their hand inside your intestines and grabbed them. Ouch. Yes. Or how about a gut punch? Boom, right in the stomach. And you're bowled over or bowled over. And you feel it in your bowels, that kind of pain. That's the kind of pain Jesus is feeling right here. He saw the crowds and he's driven to compassion, the kind that is moving him to be hunched over. And he's saying, the need is so great. It is disturbing me. It is bothering me. What I've been seeing all of these chapters, I can't keep doing this alone. I need you to pray. We need more workers in this harvest. In fact, I need you to go. And we don't know what the disciples feel. We know they go, but... There had to be at least some of them going, I'm not ready for this. Are you kidding me? I'm just going, the need is too great. The pain that I'm feeling is too great. You have to go. And it's here in the midst of Jesus' sight. It's here in the midst of Jesus' compassion that he is driven to prayer. He is driven to mission. This is why he wants healing. He wants forgiveness. He wants freedom for all the people around him. And it's just an incredible thing that we can skip over so easily. This is the point in the mission where he is saying, I can't just keep doing this by myself. You have to go. And as followers of Jesus in this room, he is asking us not only to pray. Would you please pray for workers to help these tormented, sick, lost, hurting people? harassed and helpless. Please pray for workers. We, we need to be praying for Puyallup. We need to be praying for greater Seattle area. We, I need you to be praying for the Louisiana colleges. We need workers to be working in these people's lives. We do need to be praying. 
He's not only asking you to pray, he's also asking you to go. And to go and see, to go with his compassion, to go with his authority. And he's setting the bar really high. It's not just go talk to your neighbor. Can you go heal them? Can you go cleanse? Can you go raise them? Can you go drive out unclean spirits? I mean, this is crazy. I hope you're feeling like, I'm not ready for this. That's what you should be feeling. I'm not ready for this. And he goes, take my authority. Take my th- I'm calling you to join me in this. And, and let me just stop here and say, sometimes we can get so caught up in the church is, has projects or we're making people projects or are we really loving people when we're going after them? Not always. And if you're in here and you've been hurt by the church, I want to say I'm sorry for, for the way that we've hurt you. But when you look at Jesus here, the only thing he's driven by is what he's seeing in the deep compassion that he has in his gut. He's been gut punched by the crowds he's seeing, and that is what's driving him into mission. And so what I want to invite us into today is a deeper uh, longing to see the things that God is seeing around us in our neighborhoods, in our work, in our school, in our families. God, can we have the courage to ask God, show me what you're seeing so that we can be punched in the gut the way he's being punched, that we could feel what he's feeling because we will automatically be driven, I believe, to prayer and to mission if we are seeing and feeling what he's feeling. Um, As I was preparing for this, I heard God speak to me, stop praying for my heart and start praying for my gut, okay? I don't want more of your heart, God. Of course I do, being tongue-in-cheek. I don't want just more of your heart, God. I want your gut. I want you to do this to me. Like, what if our whole church was walking around like this? Oh, man, are you sick? Did you eat something weird? No, I'm just really burdened for the people around me. I can't even stand upright. I mean, incredible, right? What if we're all walking around like this spiritually? Oh my gosh, I'm just hurting my neighbor. Can you please pray for, for workers to go into my neighborhood? Right? Oh my gosh, my college. I can't even stand up straight. I'm hurting so bad. What do you mean? What happened at your college? No, people are hurting. They're lost. They're struggling. They're sick. Please pray for workers. Wait, do you go to my college? I need you to go right now. I need you in this harvest. Please. I mean, this Jesus, right? I mean, he's hurting in pain. What if our church was like that? We were feeling it. We were infused with it. We were asking God for that. We were actually following the one that is seeing and is hurting with pain. Come on, are you with me? God, we just pray. Let me stop. God, we just pray and ask, would you give us more of your sight? Would we see the crowds around us? You are in them. You are walking around. When it says you went through all the towns and villages teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom, God, you are walking all around this town, this city of Puyallup, Tacoma, greater Seattle. You are walking all around and you see these crowds. Could we see them too? Would you bust us out of our selfishness? Would you bust us out of our incubation, the way we just completely shelter our lives away from pain or the problems of the people around us? We want to see them. Would we be so bold to pray that we would want to see them? But God, we don't only want to see them. We want to feel it. We want to be punched in the gut for these people's transformation in wholeness, in healing, in salvation. God, make us a people like that. Make us a church like that. So we will pray, 
So we will go. So we will drive out the tormenting spirits that are in people's lives. Please, God, make us a church like that. Amen. When I got done with that um, house in, in Egypt, um, I went outside and I just said, Lord, I need you to give me something. I don't even know how to talk to these people. I don't know my Bible. I need something supernatural. I didn't grow up Christian. I didn't have a church background or a certain kind of tradition, any disposition to a certain theology. I just prayed that. And then the next house I went to as they were translating, God spoke to me. First time I ever heard God speak to me. And he said, someone is sick in this house. And I told the translator to tell the guy, what I heard, someone's sick here, and the guy kind of stunned said, yeah, my wife is sick. She's in the back room. I didn't want to tell you that. And he was like ghosted. He, he was like really unnerved that I knew that. And he actually shooed us out of the house. He said, I don't want you to pray for her. Like, this is weird. What's going on? Uh, are you spying on me? Like, that's how it felt. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, anyways, okay, fine. See you later. You know, like, he just didn't want any part of it. But every house we went to, I had a word of knowledge for someone in that house that day. I knew something about their family or a sickness. or It was wild. Like, I can't even explain it. I just would be like, tell me about your sister Kathy. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know, man. I just was told to ask you. Like, weird stuff like that that would just completely open up spiritual conversations. And God gave me that authority that day. And there, the gospel was preached and healing was done. The next day we went back and there was a guy with a withered hand and we prayed for him and it stretched out. A woman with a withered hand, not a guy. The guy was yelling at me. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, it was incredible the way I saw God pour out with words of knowledge and miracles. And I just, I find it so um, hilarious, really, that it was in that moment where I was the most weak, the most unsure, the most unready, and he said, hey, it's time now. Go in my authority. And I'm just wondering if some of us were able to step up today and say, God, I'll go. I'll go to my neighborhood. I'll, I'll go in your authority. I'll go to my work. I'll be ready. I'll be ready to share. I'll be ready to pray. I'll be ready to invite. What kind of power is he going to pour into us? What kind of power is he going to pour into you? I'd be lying if I said I had I have this all the time when I walk around. I don't. But that's what I'm longing for, especially as I start this new mission in Louisiana and I'm seeing the brokenness that's on the college campuses in greater ways than I've ever seen. I'm constantly finding myself in a place where I'm seeing it and I'm feeling it, praying more and more at a gut level, feeling it. God, I don't know how to help these people. I do not know how we are going to help them learn to follow you. I don't know how we're going to put together the brokenness that's in their family. I don't know how you're going to heal sexual abuse in their life. I don't know how you're going to heal sexual promiscuity in their life. I don't know how you're going to heal the anxieties. I don't know how you're going to heal the depression. I don't know. I'm feeling it, but I need you to move. And I'm asking God, give me that authority, that power, not only to pray for the workers, but to go out and to heal and to preach and to drive. And that's what we need. We need a church that is willing to pray for that, to ask for that, and to be courageous enough to say, okay, I'll go, and I don't even know how it's going to work out. You with me on that? You know, I can stop in, in for a minute and say, there's lots of skepticism around this, I know. There's lots of questions we have about how, and how do we do it well, and how do I get training? Um, 
that's another conversation. And, and that's what I want to encourage you as a church to be seeking and, and working together with God to say, how do we heal? How do we preach the gospel well? Um, how do we be filled with this kind of compassion? Like, do that together. T- today's about spurring you on. Today's about giving you faith to say, this can be done. And actually, in fact, God is inviting you to be part of this. He is. But after is when we start talking about how. And what does it look like? And how do we do it together? And what if there's disappointments? Those are all real questions. But today is about saying, yes, God, I see you, you are hurting. I see you are praying. I see you are sending. I want to be part of that too. Amen? So what I want to do now is um, I want to actually call up the, the prayer ministers, uh, people that are here for prayer ministry, and I, I'd like to call up the um, worship team, and I'd like to have some response time, uh, ministry time, and for a couple groups. Um, if you're here and you're feeling like, you know what, I'm just kind of been along for the ride. Like, I'd say I'm following Jesus, but I'm excited to watch what he's doing. But today you're hearing the loud call that it's time for you to play. And Jesus is sending you and he's asking you to pray, to to work with him because of his compassion, because of what he's seen. And you're like, you know what? I need to start playing in the game. I need to get off that bus. No excuses. I want to ask you to come forward and get prayer. Come and pray. Come, Come confess in agreement with God. It's time for me to to go, to be intentional about going to where he's sending me, whether it's your family or school, your work, I don't know. Um, you might already be moving, but today you're like, I need more authority from God so that I can heal and I can preach and, and I can cleanse um, the people around me. I feel stuck. I feel helpless. I'm, I may be even tempted to give up. Come p- get prayer today and say, I want to join again with God to keep going in his authority, um, to pray, and, and to keep moving. Um, that's, that's one group of you. Come forward if you need that. The, the other group that I want to invite forward is maybe you're here and you relate more to the crowd. Maybe you're not a disciple right now. You're a crowd. Maybe you're sick and you need healing. Come forward and ask for healing. Let's pray for your healing today. Maybe you're here and you're tormented by a spirit. You know, you're, you're dealing with loud voices. You're dealing with uh, constant anxiety, overwhelming depression, um, evil thoughts, harmful thoughts. I don't know. You feel tormented. Come forward. Let us pray for you that you would be released from a spirit that might be on you. Uh, maybe you need salvation. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're not in relationship with Jesus. But when you see this, it's his compassion that's driving him, his love for you, his deep pain for your life to be whole. And you're sitting here going, I need God to make me whole. I need God to show me the way to live. I need God to show me the way forward. Come forward and ask for salvation. Ask for prayer that you would know and experience that the kingdom of God, that God himself is near to you. We'd love to pray for you for that. So we just want to open this time. If you're in either one of those places, you need healing, you need freedom, you need salvation, come forward. Let's pray these things that Jesus is doing over and over and over in Scripture. Let's pray that he'd do them for you. Or if you today want to say, I'm getting off the bus, 
I'm going to move forward. I'm going to expect God to use me in incredible ways for the advancement of his kingdom and the healing of his people. And you want to be part of that? Come forward and get some prayer. Get some authority. Get some anointing. Please do that. So let me pray and then start coming forward, as you will. God, thank you um, that you not only are constantly and tirelessly working in the crowds, not only in this time, but all over the world today through your Holy Spirit, but you invite us to partner with you. God, you are so cut to the gut that you can't stand that only you are able to help these people. You must, and you are compelled to send out more workers in the harvest field. First your disciples, but then anyone who considers themselves a follower of you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so committed to our healing, so committed to our freedom, so committed to our salvation, that you, through your pain and your compassion, are not only working, but sending out workers to bring this kingdom reality of wholeness. Would you bring forward today, God, for prayer, those that need healing, those that need cleansing, those that need salvation? Would you bring forward those that are being called into your service, that are being asked to step out and to preach and to heal and to drive out unclean spirits? Would you bring them forward for prayer and to receive your authority? God, we want to be your church the way you've designed it, a place where hurting people are healed, where lost people are saved, but God, where bold people are sent out with the compassion of God to heal and to restore and to bless those around them. Lord, come and do your work right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.